Welcome to FASCIN's podcast, Women's Month in South Africa, where we celebrate the achievements and insights of remarkable women at FASCIN. I'm Leslie Morfitt, and today I'm joined by two incredible colleagues in the FASCIN competition team who will share their career journeys and offer valuable advice to others. Welcome, Veronica Cadman and Palessa Mpe. I thought I'd start our chat today by sharing a bit about my journey as a lawyer. I'm the oldest one here, and when I started articles, there were no women partners at my firm. In fact, I was one of the first two women to be appointed as a partner, but my colleague left soon afterwards, so I was the only woman partner for a while. Boy, was it a different world. I was often mistaken for my secretary and regularly asked if they could speak to my boss. In meetings, it was expected that I would pour the tea, even if I was leading the meeting. I really appreciated one of my male partners who made a point of pouring the tea in meetings when I could see the clients were expecting me to do so. My firm didn't know quite what to do when I told them I was expecting a baby, and I was a real trailblazer there for women who wanted to juggle work and family. There wasn't much flexibility around working hours. I started off after I had my baby working half day, but I stopped that when I found myself going home late in the evenings, yet being paid for working fewer hours. I could go on for ages about this, but I'd like to think I made it easier for the women who followed in my footsteps there. Which leads me on to you, Veronica. You're an example of the next generation of women in law. Can you share an overview of your career? Thanks, Leslie. I'm sure you did make it easier for women who came after you. When I started my articles, which was 1998, which is now a very long time ago, the intake was about half men, half women of candidate attorneys. Um, but if I cast my mind back, there were very few women partners, and none of them were married or had children. If I tried to give an overview, I would say that there was a very much a, a one-size-fits-all attitude to what being a lawyer was like. And it was a it was a male one size fits all idea. A big focus on FaceTime, being in by eight fifteen and not leaving any any earlier than six, which was probably considered to be something of a half day. And I don't think there was a, a sense of lawyers generally, let alone female lawyers, having other interests or things that they wanted to prioritize um, in their lives. It's certainly a very different working world to the one um, that I think we're in today. So I have now been practicing as an admitted attorney for, for 23 years. Um, I'm a partner in the competition law team, um, but I can still remember very clearly what it was like to start out and then climb the ladder. Palesa, what was your impression of life as a lawyer and life as a female lawyer when you started in the profession? Thanks, Veronica. And uh, thank you to you, Leslie. I think, as you say, uh, calling yourself a trailblazer is probably a very accurate description. Um, I think back to my starting out my career, which is obviously still quite short. I've only been in this field for just under five years. But by and large, I've 
worked mostly under women. The teams I've been in have been uh, quite top heavy with female partners. And I think more and more that's becoming the case where you sort of see the announcements of promotions from different law firms, be it on LinkedIn or whatever the, the public announcements are, and you're seeing more and more women make it all the way to the top. And it's obviously a remarkable progress that I think is quite necessary for women in the legal space. And I think it's been achieved over a relatively short amount of time, because I also think back to when I started my articles, which was only in 2018, and looking around the different uh, tables that you get in, in the canteen or restaurant where there's almost always a partner's table and a senior associate's table and an associate's table. And the partner's table is almost always uh, a bunch of men with the one uh, odd woman outlier. But that seems to be changing more and more and looks like um, everybody is, is working quite hard to recognize the achievements and, and the hard work of women practitioners and their contribution to the legal fraternity. So I do think that uh, times are changing um, and quite quickly, sometimes not quickly enough, but the, the progress is definitely there. And I think seeing it as a young lawyer is, is very encouraging because often we come in and you, you sort of don't see that representation. You don't see the women in the positions that you'd like to one day aspire to. So more and more women entering those spaces, I think, lowers those barriers and creates a sense of confidence for us as young lawyers to aspire to those positions and, and reach for, reach for them. So I think it's, it's quite impressive what women have managed to do in the legal fraternity over the space of 20, 30, 40 years. So thank you very much to the likes of you, Leslie, and you, Veronica, for, for having that um, happen. Thanks for that compliment, Balesa. Uh, yeah, just listening to you, Veronica, or both of you, in fact, it really does bring it home to me. When I started articles, I was the only female in my year, and there was one female in the year before me. So things have changed dramatically. And I have to say, I think Faskin is rather a good example of a firm that is diversifying a lot, and hats off to them. I agree. I think the world has changed. If I look at in the time that I've been in practice, how it's changed, and 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 some of the the most significant changes have not actually been just to kind of gender dynamics, but the changes that the COVID pandemic has has brought to the way in which we work and facilitating the prioritization by all people, whether men or women, of things that are important to them and, and making time for that while being very aware of the fact that we are in a service industry and we are committed to um, supporting our clients and to um, meeting and exceeding their expectations. Yeah, that's a good point and wise words of advice. One of my pieces of advice there would be don't take things too personally. Just give of your best, which is better than you probably think it is. What advice would you have, Alessa? I think it's a need to be able to advocate for ourselves, to not be afraid to express our ideas and opinions or to even disagree with other voices in the room. I think oftentimes we're so worried about uh, that being rebuffed that we, we tend not to give the opinion at all, especially if it's a dissenting view. But I think 
if one reminds themselves that the worst thing that can happen in that kind of situation is that you walk away with a new learning experience and you walk away with uh, new lessons, that then it will always be a positive outcome, even if it's not necessarily the one that we are hoping for. So we offer a very unique perspective, and that is oftentimes our most valuable asset. And we should never be afraid to be confident in the way we express ourselves and in expressing ourselves in a room full of other voices. And some other practical advice that I think we've chatted about in the past is also about balance in life. I think that's really key, Leslie. I think Palessa alluded to in a separate conversation that one needs to look after machines to ensure their longevity and to ensure that, that they continue to perform at the levels that we would like them to. And we are um, so much more than machines, and we need to ensure that that we do have other things in our lives that balance out commitments and demands to be able to take a more holistic view. Thanks, Veronica. And I think that's a very important takeaway that um, lawyers, young or old, should be reminded of, that our biggest asset and our offering to our client is ourselves. It's our mental capacity. We are the service that we offer. And in order to ensure that there is this longevity on the asset that is the legal mind, it's important to take care of the person that is giving this legal advice. It's important to find that uh, work-life balance, to do the self-care, to ensure that we, we are always are able to function optimally. And that doesn't mean functioning within our roles uh, as corporate professionals 24-7, but allowing time to switch off and recover so that we can come back and do what we do the next day and the day after that and the day after that. So I think my generation, uh, millennials, have been quite good at advocating for the work-life balance. And I think we're making many strides along that path, especially, as you mentioned, the COVID has introduced new ways of working and people realize that we don't have to be sitting in a boardroom all day, every day in order to be effective and to get the job done. So I think... Hopefully, going forward, uh, lawyers especially will find that um, we're able to take care of ourselves as people first in order to function optimally as lawyers and professionals. Thanks, both of you. I think those have been very helpful insights, and thank you very much for sharing them. I think your experience and our experience and advice will hopefully inspire our listeners. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much, Leslie. Thank you, ladies.